This is the All 7 Days Podcast, where a couple of guys taking questions from you, answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. However, the couple of church members have swapped today. Trevor is working this afternoon and is not able to come record. However, it's uh, Pastor Bradley Cox Day in Mississippi, and uh, we welcome, welcome you to the show today Bradley how are you doing I'm doing great hey everybody it's good to be back on the all seven days um, good to be with you guys so saw a recent photograph of you in Mexico and with a quite impressive vertical in sandals <laughs> I might add you your head was in the clouds man you were up there what was going on in that in that photograph that, that was crazy we, we uh, one of the days we on this trip we had a like just activities planned for some of the younger kids and one of them was chinese jump rope have you ever done that i have not it's kind of weird it, it it you you have a a rope that it's a you know it's it's a circle it's not like a jump rope where you have two ends it's just a circle and it's kind of an elastic thing and you you get two people and uh, they put it around their ankles or their knees or their waist, depending on how high you want it, and they, they separate and spread out, and then you have patterns that you try to do. Like, you know, one was you you, you, you straddle one side, you, you jump and straddle the other, and you go back and forth, and then you go in the middle, out, middle, and then you try to land on top, and you see how fast you can do it. Um, and so <laughs> the kids were trying it, and then somehow, you know, I got I – got, um, pushed and my competitive nature took over and they put it up around their waist and um it it, it it's i'm thankful that i didn't throw a hip out yeah, that's what i was thinking <laughs> if i had tried that. that things would snap uh, it would not be pretty hips would be broken there would be surgeries and yeah. it would be it would be all over yeah, if but anybody that follows me on Facebook, um, the the guy who was taking pictures is a really great photographer, and I think he made that look a little better than it actually was. But I, I was I was blown away. I was like, this yeah. man has wings. He must have had a Red Bull before he got up in the air like that. Oh man, it's pretty awesome. So the trip was good to Mexico. You just got back from there, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. What happened? Well, I, I like I was telling you before we started recording, I. It, I feel refreshed when I get back from a trip, um, a short-term mission trip, particularly with this ministry that we work with called Back-to-Back Ministries. They do such a good job of organizing the week and, and structuring the week. It's, it's it you know, on the trips I've been on with Back-to-Back, you don't wake up at 4 in the morning and then, you know, they hand you a pile of block and some mud and you just work out in the hot sun all day and then... It, it, they, you know, they start the day with quiet time, small group time. Um, you go and you work or you serve all day, and then you come back and there's really thought through debrief time, where they kind of walk you through what you're experiencing, what you're thinking, what the Lord's saying to you, what you're learning. Uh, the group bonds really well in all of that, and so there's some really good fellowship. We had a fantastic team, um, and. We did so much, like you know, it went by so fast because of all the variety of things that we did. We did everything from manual labor to we did a date night for uh, fifteen couples that are a part of the ministry, um, where we cooked them ribeye steaks and served them. And my wife and I taught a marriage class while the meal meal was being prepared. We 
my wife and some of the other ladies did a parenting class for the moms. Um, you know, we we did prayer walks where we went into some of these people's homes, if you can even call them homes. Right. I mean, it was it's just in it's it's amazing, and yet they're so proud of their homes, and they're so. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be such joy with these people, and so we got to go into their homes and pray with them, and pray over their families, pray about what's going on in their lives, and um, you know, we, um, like I said, we did some manual labor, we did activities with kids, we did an exercise class for for teenagers, um, we we gave away about a hundred or so backpacks full of school supplies to kids before they start school back, um, and in all of that was. The gospel was woven into all of those things, and and it's really cool. sharing the love of Christ with those people, and um, it's it's just a, I don't know. I if, if if you've never been on a short-term missions trip, you need to make the time to go and um, just get out of your context. It, you know, being out of the country, my cell phone doesn't work, uh, <laughs> the internet's spotty, and so I can't really check emails and. You know, I'm outside of my day-to-day routines and responsibilities, and I'm focused exclusively on serving other people. Yeah, and there's something really restful about that. As hard as we worked, as as difficult and frustrating as plane rides can be these days, I really do feel like I came home rested. Yeah, that's really so, cool. That sounds great. That sounds so tempting just to not have a cell phone, not have any kind of electronic device tied to you all the time like we do now. Uh, it sounds I'm really telling great. you, you get off you get off of those leashes for a week, um, and you you really realize how much of our how much of our peace, how much of our just contentment, right? Those things can, if they're not if there aren't proper boundaries around them, how they, they can take those or or at least have a, a negative impact on those things. Um, and it was just great to be off social media for a week, you know. Um, not have voicemails and emails to get to, and um, you know, I know, I know that's unrealistic to think that we could live that way all the time, probably. But it, it was really refreshing to, and that's something that's something you don't get on a vacation, right? right. You're still right still connected, and you have yeah, and so uh, I don't know. That was I, I, I really do feel rested. Well, let's encourage back, our so. listeners to turn their devices off after they've listened to this episode. Exactly. Listen to the podcast and then take a <laughs> social media break. That's right. So we do take your questions here. Ask at all 7 dayscom Voicemail or text 864-660-9473. We have new t-shirts online. We will, awesome. We'll, and uh, Bradley, I'm coming to see you uh, over Labor Day weekend. And, yes, looking and, forward to and that. And we, uh, we need to talk to your guys who are in charge of worship there because they will let anybody join the band on a whim apparently because i'm playing bass on awesome that, on that Sunday. fantastic so, so that'll be fun that will be fun man i'm looking forward to that yeah yeah well we'll see what I, I, the last time i looked there were about 12 songs on the docket and uh, i'm sure it'll get weeded down so i have no idea what we're playing <laughs> yet but <laughs> we'll have to get some video on that and post it on the all seven days page that would be we'll good yeah well i'll uh i'll be the guy in the back looking bored you know. No, you'll, you'll you'll be back there just bringing the funk, man. Bring, I don't slap. I don't. I just I just never got it down. I just can't do it. All right, let's take a quick break. This is the All Seven Days podcast. Hey, pastors and church administrators, listen to this. 
All Seven Days is proud to be partnered with Faith Teams. Faith Teams is a web-based church management software with all the features your church needs and priced so that any church can afford it. It's packed with features including attendance tracking, kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, automated guest follow-up, contributions, online giving and text to give, built-in email and text messaging tools, and a whole lot more. Best of all, it's all in one single system at a price that makes sense. They have a free 14-day trial so you can try the entire system before you pay a dime. Keep it in pages $40 a month. That's right, $40 a month for every available feature. Go to all7days.com slash faithteams to learn more and use the links provided for your free 14-day trial. When you sign up, tell them All 7 Days sent you. Faith Teams, the easy and affordable church management software. What happens when a theology nerd who builds guitar pedals, his pastor, and a Lutheran guy from Nebraska get together on a weekly basis? The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, that's what. The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast explores the Christian faith, practice, and worship through the lens of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura, comparing and contrasting what God says to popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. You can even join in the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge Facebook group and make sure you subscribe to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast right now on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Welcome back to the All 7 Days Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Bradley Cox. Uh, Trevor, as they say in the business, is on assignment. On assignment. He's actually painting. Uh, he, 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 uh, during the summer, he's back in school now. He's a school teacher. And during the summer, uh-huh. he, he took a job with a friend of his and painted some houses. And one of the houses, uh, Sherwin, I always call it Sherman Williams, but it's Sherwin. I do right? too. Why is that? I don't know. It's, I just grew up calling it that. But they yep. gave they gave the they gave them the wrong color paint, so they got like halfway finished to the interior of this house, and the couple comes home. And oh, that's not the right color. So he's actually oh he's goodness. actually repainting the house there. I think painting and wearing double knit pants is what they're going to make people do in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you're wearing, you're working at the Golden Gate Bridge. Because, you know, they yep. paint it continuously, and you're doing it in double-knit pants. Yes, <laughs> yes. Awful. Oh, I, I can think of so many things that I would rather do than paint. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's get yeah, everything, everything but paint. Uh, let's get into our questions. There's a bonus question for you. I was asked uh, by a young lady at our church. She's probably... Uh, I think she's four, maybe five years old. Her name is London, and she uh, she asked the question: Do turtles go to heaven? Do turtles go to heaven? Yes, that's our bonus um, question for today. What's her name? Her name is London. London, like the city. Um, to London, I would say um, I know there will be animals in heaven. Yep, uh, I think the Bible speaks about that, and so. I would say, I don't know for sure, London, but there's every reason to hope that there will be turtles in heaven. Uh, if the lions and the lamb, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb, then um, maybe the turtle will lie down with the alligator. Maybe um, so. I, uh, maybe so. So, um, you know, to to the adults, you know, well, I preached a sermon recently. It, it, I don't know if I told you about this, but we... 
sometimes I think this is the second time we've done this. We we do a series called "You Asked for It" yep. at Res, yep. and we take questions from the church. And one week we addressed questions that came from our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I tell you about this? Yeah, I, I listened to the episode. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so we we all of the questions came from our elementary age kids one week, and one of the questions was, "Do animals go to heaven?" Or what? No, it was, "What is the purpose of animals?" Mm-hmm. And so I, I addressed that question in that sermon. People can go check it out if they want to, um, and you know, why God created animals in the first place. But you know, a lot of people ask that question. They have dogs they get attached to, and oh, yeah. will my dog be in heaven and whatever? And um, I, you know, I, I don't think animals have souls. And but uh, you know, there's there are clear signs in Scripture that there's going to be animals in heaven. That's so, right. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I would say London. I would say that the turtle can go to heaven if his soul has been regenerated. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> if he's a saved turtle, he's definitely going. There's a saved turtle. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. That just we could just go down a path on that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, um all right, past episodes. We we talked before we started recording. Uh, about two of our episodes that kind of bookend this set. So we'll kind of put these together. The first episode is What Do You Want? Where we were asked uh, if it's okay to pray for materialistic things. And mm-hmm. the the episode that just aired, which is Dead Man Walking, where Justin asked what Jesus meant by uh, denying ourselves. And uh, for both of those, uh, it was those were really... Uh, I don't want to say controversial, but but difficult uh, things to talk through as far as what that what the life of denying yourself looks like. Because he, Jesus doesn't just say deny yourself; he also includes take up your cross and right. follow me. So there is a there is a not only denying there is dying to self and what all That's that right. looks like. And when you when you tie that into what we do with our material things, it really jumbles your. It has to. It has to turn your thinking upside down. It really does. It does. So it does. Uh, so give us your sage wisdom, a wise one, about uh, about those two topics. Well, uh, you know, I don't know that I have a lot of sage wisdom about that, but um, <laughs> Come I think on. we could start. I think we could start with Jesus's words. I mean, yeah. let's let's start there and right. and see where that takes us. I mean. When when Jesus makes that famous statement, um, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. There's a context in which he's saying that, right. um, and the context is, he tells his disciples, "Look, the Son of Man's going to die. I'm going to die. That's why I'm here. I'm going to be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they're going to kill me." And Peter speaks up and says, "Uh-uh, yeah. no way." Right. I'm, I will stop that. I, I'm, I'm going to get in the way of that. There's no way, Jesus, that that's where all of this that you have done and are doing is going to culminate. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Right. You know, um, he rebukes him very sternly. Um, and then he makes this statement. Right. If you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and, and follow me. And that is often interpreted as Jesus saying, well, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you're going to have to do hard things. Um, and what I would say is that Jesus is not saying, 
if you're going to follow me, I'm going to make you do hard things. But he's saying, if you're going to follow me, it requires one hard thing. Right. And and ultimately, or fundamentally, and that, you know, if you think about what he's saying, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. So the denying of self really is a picture of someone taking up the cross, which Jesus is you know, listeners, the disciples would have known exactly what he's talking about. I mean, it was a common, relatively common sight to see someone carrying a cross to the place of execution. And what's happening there is, yes, they're they're going to die, but when you would have seen a person carrying a cross, what you would have concluded in, in, in so many words is that life, that for that person, life on their terms is over. Right. Yeah. Life on their terms is over. Now, I think Jesus is saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and you put it in the context of Peter. You know, Peter, this is not going to go down according to your terms. This is going down according to the Father's terms. And if you're going to follow me, you're you too are going to have to give up life on your terms. Right. And yes, that could mean death. You know, I could be called by Jesus to give my life in his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also be called by Jesus to uproot my family from the culture and the context that I grew up in, move to another part of the world and give my life away for another people group. Right. Or I could be called to deny myself of a certain luxury and give and be generous for the benefit of someone else, for someone else's need. I could be called to deny myself to put the interest of the of another ahead of my own. I could be called to deny myself and, you know, um, love my wife as Christ loved the church, even when her relational performance doesn't um, doesn't lead me to do that in and of itself. Right. You know, it's a it's life on my terms when I follow Christ is over, and so um, that that doesn't. We we want to make that specific, and we want to say, okay, can I follow Jesus and drive a BMW? Right. You know, can I follow Jesus and buy a vacation home? Can I, can I follow Jesus and still love college football? Um, and we start doing this compare and contrast game. Like I, I just spent a week in Mexico, right? And I, I walked into a lady's home that was about a 500 square foot cinder block shack, and her kitchen was a piece of tin that extended off the front wall of that shack that covered her stove, mm-hmm. and that was it. You know, and uh, a dirt floor uh, with rocks and, you know, uh, chickens running around and, and stuff like that. So, you know, is is denying myself, does that mean that I need to sell my house and, and move into a place like that and, and and or give that lady my house? I mean, what what I think it means is it means that I'm, I'm surrendered to Jesus and my life is no longer on my terms. I do what he says. I, I obey him. I follow him and what, whatever it is that he's asked me to do. Right. Um, so, to answer the question about, can we pray for luxuries? Can we ask God for these things that we want? My response to that would be to surrender those desires and then trust Jesus that He knows what's best for us. Right. You know, make those decisions prayerfully. Um, I find that a lot of Christians only pray about their money and their resources when they lack it. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how how many 
how many of us, when there's more than enough, are we asking Jesus, okay, what do you want me to do right. with this? Not just, can I have this, Lord, but what do you want me to do with this? Right. Um, and, and I have luxuries. You know, we could put luxuries on a continuum and say that, you know, Stan, you might have more than I do in this area or that area, or I might have more than you in this area or that area. But the whole denying ourselves piece is not like um, just saying, I'm going to take a vow of poverty as much as it's saying my life's not my own. Right. You yeah. know, I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. Right. And and so if I think if I start to think like a steward, that changes the way I think about my time, my talent, my treasure. It, it's I'm stewarding the life that God has given me. And what is it that that He wants with my life that now belongs to Him? Mm-hmm. And if you start with that question, I think. I think everything else starts to fall in place, doesn't it? Like yeah, you, you yeah. really start to you start to pray and 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 um, think differently about what. It's not just about what can I do, um, or what what what's okay for me morally, as much as it's about what does Jesus want for me. I mean, focus on Christ. Focus on your joy and and satisfaction in Him. I mean, Paul said in Philippians, I know what it's like to have abundance and I know what it's like to be in need. So in in, right. in some way or another, Paul had seasons of his life where he had more than enough and he had seasons where he did not have enough. And yet in all of that, he says, I've learned the secret of contentment. I do all things through Christ. Right. And the all things includes the season of abundance and it also includes the seasons of lack and need is that he's relying on Christ in both He's resting in Christ in both. And I think that is what gave shape to the way he thought about how he stewarded his material things. Um, so I, I don't think denying ourselves is just randomly picking luxuries that we're not going to indulge in. Right. I think denying ourselves is saying, Jesus, my life's yours. What do you want to do with it? Yep. I agree. I agree. Good so. stuff. Good stuff. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, you are what you eat. And this is uh, the question from Chris, who, who is, uh, seems to be expressing a concern, and I, I echo this concern, that <clears throat> doing uh, or partaking of the Lord's Supper is kind of being pushed to the side in uh, mm-hmm. a good many American churches. And uh, I would agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we still have a good many churches who, uh, who offer it weekly. Uh, which I think, uh, depending on how that's done, is uh, is a good thing. And I know your church just recently went through a revamp of this, where you kind of put a you put a pause to it for quite a while, while you rethought it and wanted it to be more of what it was supposed to be, in a reflection of the, what Christ had done for us and our remembrance of that. Uh, can you walk us through some of that thought process and and what you brought back with it when you brought it back? Uh, okay, so before the pause we took with it, we 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 would take communion as a church twice a month, um, and it just felt like to me we we slipped into this rhythm of um, tagging it on to the end of a service, mm-hmm. and we found ourselves 
kind of going sometimes at the last minute, unfortunately, not last minute like it was Sunday morning, but like maybe Monday or Tuesday before Sunday going, oh, it's communion week. Where can we fit that in? And I'm like, no, that's just not, that's, it's just not what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, and, and I felt like we just weren't devoting enough time to being thoughtful about it. Uh, is I guess is my point. It, and so we hit pause on it and the pause was just really to give our church space to start to want and crave coming to the Lord's table again. And that happened. I mean, there, there were people coming to us like, why are we taking communion in a while? Why, what, what's going on? It feels like it's been forever. And, mm-hmm. and, and man, we really want that. And I'm like, good. Okay. Now we're ready. Now, right. now there's a desire there that we can start to speak to. And really all we've done as we've reinstituted it is just we 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 think every time we take communion we think about okay how are we going to lead people to be intentional um and be thoughtful about what it is that we're doing because mm-hmm. you know Jesus instituted this incredible thing where uh we get to tangibly remember right. and we can talk about the sacrificial death of Christ and his broken body and his shit blood we can talk about that but to actually put a piece of bread in your mouth to drink some wine or juice and remember mm-hmm. that there was real blood that was shed, there was a real body that was broken, and all of that for our salvation, um, th- that that's powerful. It should be powerful. You know, I mean, you know, the Catholic Church um, teaches transubstantiation, where you, you you know they actually believe the bread and and the and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and and we don't believe that as Protestants, um, but I do think, I think, that Jesus is present in, in a unique way when we come to his table. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to be mindful of him in a, in a very thoughtful, intentional way. When we were in Mexico, we visited a church that a lot of the staff there uh, with Back to Back goes to, and they take communion every week, and the way they do it is they have communion stations set up in the sanctuary, mm-hmm. and at a certain point in the service, uh, one of the pastors or elders will come up and invite the people to go get the bread and the juice uh, and come back to their seat. Uh, a song is sung, and you know I think generally speaking it's a song that points people towards the cross, points people towards the sacrificial death, and at any point during that song, an individual can go ahead and take the elements. There's not a pastor that leads them through that. And, you know, I, I'm i not a fan of doing it that way in general because I think, like, for me, that moment in that service where I'm sitting beside my wife and we took communion, right. it was really, really powerful. But, I, you know, we were being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been discipled and we, you know, we're familiar with the, scriptures and and we know what we're doing and so we were able to have a really powerful moment uh together during a song taking communion and i just i'm not convinced that everybody within a service here at res has the ability to do that or has the knowledge to do that they might need help with that and so what we want to do is we want to in, in one sense, have a little mini sermon, right. a little mini, e- either some liturgy. We've incorporated liturgy mm-hmm. 
And we've also just incorporated a little devotional kind of moment where we go, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's why this matters. Uh, this is what's happening. Uh, this is what this symbolizes. This is what we're remembering. This is what we're reflecting. And we, because we want to lead people to come to the place of remembrance and thanksgiving and gratitude and humility and repentance. There's so much right. that's woven into this little act of taking bread and wine and remembering Jesus. And um, so I'm a fan of taking communion every week. I don't think that it has to become monotonous or routine. Right. Um, I just think that it, it's on. It's it, it's the responsibility of the pastors, the elders, the leadership to, by the help of the Holy Spirit and through the Scriptures, help people think well about what they're doing. When you know, when Paul talks about taking communion in an unworthy manner, yeah, you know, some people think that that means well, I, I mean. I cannot take communion if I stand at all this right, week. Right. You know, the people have stretched. And, and really what I think Paul's after there is don't do it thoughtlessly. Right. Don't do it flippantly. Right. Don't let this be casual. This is not a casual thing. Our salvation, the price that had to be paid for our sin, um, Christ's propitiatory sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know, which that, just, that word means wrath, exhausting. Right. I mean, just stop and think about that for a minute. The rat, we are by nature children of wrath. Yeah. We deserve God's wrath, and Christ took that wrath mm-hmm. and All exhausted it. it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Exhausted it. Exhausted the wrath of God for the people of God. And Paul says, don't you dare come to the Lord's table and not be thoughtful about that. Right. That's taking it in an unworthy manner. And so right. I want to I help people, I want to help my people do that, whether we take it once a month Twice a month, every Sunday, I want to help people think well about it. Um, and I think frequency is good. I, I I don't like it when, I mean, I've been in churches, I've been a part of churches where we took it twice a year. Right. And I just don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy for the church. That's my opinion. There's no scripture that says take it this amount of times. Right. But Jesus said, as often as you do this. Right. Um, do it in remembrance of me. And so I, I think frequency is good, but intentionality has to be a part of it every time. So have you have you got a schedule that you go on now that you you have it set this many times on the calendar or that you've got it scheduled out? Now? Yeah, it's it, it's it, it's scheduled for one, once a month, but that doesn't mean that we won't do it more than that. Right. Okay. Um, sometimes where we are in Scripture – um, where we are in the church calendar would would dictate that we would do it more than that, but we're not going to do it less than that. Right. I think uh, you also touched on uh, Paul's warning about not doing it flippantly. Uh, there were some there were some consequences, uh, I believe, listed there as well. Some were sick, and some had mm-hmm. died because they had approached this sacrament in a in that way. Right. Yeah, um, that's, that's right. So, uh, so that kind of that kind of adds to the seriousness of everything, right? I mean, no, that's right. I mean, you know, there's there, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, some people struggle with that. Like people are getting sick. I mean, you yeah. know, my sense is that there were people that were 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 being so. I don't know. Like, like th- there's a sense that people were were getting drunk off communion. They were turning right communion into a drunken party. 
Um, and so there was anything and everything but worship going on. Exactly. Anything yeah. and everything but repentance going on. Um, and and people got sick, you know. And I, I think about um, uh, you know the, the couple in in Acts that you know lied about what they were giving, and they dropped dead. Right. Um, and and you know. It, 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 these are serious matters. These are not trivial things that we're doing here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think every Christian has a responsibility to, um, you know, when, when Paul says that the, uh, the, the Christians in Berea were, were more noble than, than the Thessalonians, because when Paul preached, they searched the scriptures for themselves to see if these things were so. Right. Um, you know, if you're a believer... There, there, there has to be um, some intentionality about wh- what am I doing when it comes to the Lord's Supper? You know, uh, what 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 is it that we're doing here? Why does this matter? And and be intentional about that as well as well as other things too. Giving, serving, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- this is the kingdom of God, and and it's a it's a wonderful thing, it's a joyful thing, and it's also a very serious thing. Yeah, very true. All right, uh, we've got one more episode to talk about, and that is In the Library with a Candlestick, where Robert asks about some recommended reading. Um, he's, he's asking specifically for books that have been helpful in your Christian walk, other than the Bible, of course. Mm-hmm. And he also asks about recommended reading for a new Christian and uh, how you would uh, recommend a new Christian start reading the Bible itself. Hmm. I had, uh, if you want my list, I can give you what I went through. Sure. Uh, so I started with, uh, with uh, you know, the obligatory uh, Piper reference, uh, Desiring God, of course, for uh, mm-hmm. something that's helped my walk and adjusted my theology in, a, in I think, a more uh, true-pointing manner. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I told the story about a friend of mine named Gloria who, who uh, came to... Christianity as later in life and had never been in church, never done anything church-wise, didn't know anything about the Bible. And she had a pastor who recommended that she just pick up a children's Bible just to familiarize mm. herself with the stories of the Bible mm. and before she went into the regular Bible, right? And mm. just and it and she said it was transformative for her in that when she actually picked up the normal Bible, the adult Bible, I guess you could say, she -hmm. was somewhat familiar with the stories. So as she, as she started reading about Jonah and Noah, et cetera, she was, Mm -hmm. she wasn't just like, Oh, who are these people? Right. Uh, she had, she had a familiarity with the story and that was very helpful for her. Uh, for my recommended, uh, new Christian getting into the Bible, I said, start with the gospel of John, learn who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Then probably go to Romans and get a really good picture of what the gospel is and how we are mm-hmm. to respond to it. Then once that's under your belt, uh, maybe move to the Psalms and Proverbs mm-hmm. and learn the essence of worship and get some wisdom. Mm-hmm. And then go back through the New Testament as a whole and learn the whole story of the gospels in the early church and uh, some of that instruction. And then, and then start to digest the entire Bible. And again, yeah. that, that's not, that's not going to be uh, something done that's in a, <laughs> done in a week. Uh, but uh, right. to take your time with it, not, not try to rush through it. Uh, but that was, that was my recommended uh, punch list there. 
I, think? Uh, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I don't know that I need to add a whole lot to that. I mean, um, I always, anytime I get asked, like, okay, new Christian, where do I start in Scripture? I always tell them to start with the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get to know Jesus. Right. That 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 is the most crucial thing. And remember, when you're reading the Gospels in particular, you remember that you're reading a narrative. You are reading a story. Right. Um, you, some people, I don't know what it is about the Bible, but we, we tend to come to the Bible and throw out all of the, what, what, what is seemingly instinctive about reading all other forms of li- literature. Right. We, st- we tend to throw that out the window. We think we're reading an encyclopedia or something. And it's, it's, it's a story, right? It's a true story. And it's an eternally significant story, but you're reading the story of Jesus, and so read it as a story. Get to know him. Yeah. Right? I, made, you know, I made the comment, uh, I forget which episode it was in, that when you go read the Bible, the worst question you can ask is, what does this mean to me? Exactly. The best question to ask is, what does it say? <laughs> what does it say? What does, what it, does say? it say? Because that's what it's it means. Not that, it's not that the what does it mean to me question isn't important, Um or that we shouldn't ask that question. It's just we ask that question last. Right. Right. We ask first, what does it say? Right. And then I think we ask, why are they telling me this? Right. You know, like you, you take, for example, when you read through the Gospels, uh, particularly the Gospel of Mark, you're going to read a story about where Jesus healed a deaf, a man who was deaf and mute. He could not speak. He could not hear. Right. And. You know, I might have said this before on a previous podcast, but I am not a fan of chapter headings in our Bibles. Yeah. That obviously is not yeah. scripture. That's the stuff that people have added. And sometimes people go through their Bible and they see a heading that says, Jesus heals a deaf and mute man. And so they automatically conclude, well, I already know what's going to happen there. Right. I already know what that's about. Is Jesus heals a guy who can't hear or speak. And so um, I'm not going to learn anything about that. Well, no, there's there's a reason why. The gospel writer, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, zoomed in on that miracle. Like, like you think of a camera lens. When sometimes when you watch a movie, you get wide angles, and then sometimes the camera zooms in on something very specific because the details matter. And when you read Scripture and you read the story of Jesus, the details matter. And yeah. so you want to. The second question you want to ask next to what does it say is why tell me this? Right. Why, why, what, what, what details are here that matter, and what do they tell me about Jesus? What do they tell me about God? What do they tell me about the kingdom, that it, what it's like, and who Jesus is, and what he's like? Why does this matter? And then, last, you would ask the question, what does this mean to me? Right. You know, what do I do with this? And when you get that order right, I think Bible reading is not only powerful and informative, but it's fun. Yeah. It's just yeah. a blast, yeah. right? It's not boring. Uh, it's an incredible story. And, and the other thing I would recommend for believers of all levels of spiritual maturity is is get a good Bible dictionary. Mm-hmm. You don't need a library full of commentaries, and you don't need to have to be able to dissect Greek and Hebrew to really enjoy and get a lot out of reading Scripture. You have the help of the Holy Spirit for one. Right. And then a good Bible dictionary is helpful because sometimes you're going to run across words, you're going to run across descriptions of geography, 
uh, there are going to be just certain things that you're going to be like, I, that doesn't, I don't understand what that means or why that's important. And a Bible dictionary will a lot of times give you a very concise mm-hmm. um, summary of what a word means or why something is mentioned or what, what significance a, a particular place might have uh, in that story. That will just be, it'll be eye-opening. And right. you, you don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know a whole lot about ancient history or anything like that. You just you simply get a little bit of context, contextual help there with a good Bible dictionary. And so I always recommend that new Christians and older Christians alike get a good Bible dictionary. Start with the Gospels, and I would agree with you. Go from there, a great place to go is Romans. Uh, the Psalms and Proverbs are great as far as worship. Mm-hmm. You know, the letters of Paul are going to unpack the gospel for you. Um, the the Old Testament, you know, the the history of Israel and the prophets is it, it, it when you start diving into that, it might feel a little more difficult. But right. if you if you read it with the thought in mind that this is this is God sovereignly directing everything towards Jesus, right? Yeah. If you if you just go with that simple thought, a lot of it will start to make sense about how Jesus preserved a bloodline through which the Christ would come, and he chose a people, and he gave them the covenants, all of which were going to point to a greater covenant. Uh, that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. And so that that if you understand that much, um, you, I think you can enjoy reading the Bible from cover to cover. Yep, absolutely. Cool. So recommended reading outside of the Bible. Uh, I would certainly recommend Desiring God. Um, I would uh, another Piper book that I think is very helpful is Reading Scripture Supernaturally. Yeah, Reading the Bible by John Piper. Yeah, love that book. Um, yeah, that I don't. I, I don't know if you thought this. It, it might be a little heady. It is. Uh, it is a little uh, heady. One of the great questions I heard. I heard him talk about this book when it first came out, and he said the great question is not whether or not the Bible is true. Really, mm. the question mm-hmm. he said is, "Can I take the gospel to some illiterate man in Papua New Guinea and him hear it and believe yep. it and not yes. be considered a fool?" Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's the real question. Is this is this really true? And you can't you can't see it without the Holy Spirit coming to reveal it to you, whether you just heard yep. it or you're reading it. So that. That crux behind that book is just so powerful uh, to realize. I totally agree. To realize what's happening when you read the scriptures. And one of our core values at Res is treasure hunting. We call it treasure right. hunting, and and it's yep. really rooted in the little mini parable that Jesus told when he said, "The kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. Yeah. When a man finds it for joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys the field." Right. Is we we we've tried to instill in our people's minds is that when we come to the scripture. We are discovering the treasure of Christ and His kingdom, yeah. and that is that is not only fun. That's that's just exhilarating to when when the Holy Spirit helps us see uh, see what's there and see the beauty and worth of God. Um, that that's that's exhilarating, and I think Piper does a fantastic job of helping people um, establish that expectation. When I come to the Bible, is that I'm not just going to come away with, okay, what does this mean to me? No, you're right. going to discover treasure that's worth selling every... You talk about denying yourself yeah. and giving up life on your terms. Yeah. Um, you know, 
imagine for joy being willing to sell everything yeah. to have it. I mean, that that should be our expectation when we come to the Bible. So um, another book I'd recommend um, is by my mentor. I may have recommended it before. Uh, my pastor, his name's Brian Alkin, and he wrote a book called More Than His God Card. Uh, you can find it on um, Amazon or ChristianBooks.com. And the premise of the book is basically that when Jesus did miracles, um, he wasn't just going around flashing his God card. Right. You know, trying to let everybody know, hey, I'm God. Watch what I can do. Right. Um, that there, there's a, there's a, there's, there are lessons to be learned, not only in the fact that the miracles happened, but the way that Jesus did them. Right. Um, and what I love about that book is that it makes me want to read the Bible more. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few books that I've read in my lifetime that I don't just come away going, man, that book was awesome. I come away going, man, the Bible's awesome. I want to read it more. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really good book. Another book um, that I think is helpful for new and old believers is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Yeah, I mentioned um, that one as well, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great book. Um, so uh, th- another book, uh, one more I'll recommend, The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. Uh, I think that, I don't know if it was written maybe 20 years ago or so. Um, it's a really fun, easy read on the life of Jesus that focuses in on the character of the God-man. Like what? Mm kind of man was this what kind of god man is this jesus what how did he do things and why did he do them that way and what are we learning about this the the way he lived on earth and particularly during his three and a half years of of ministry um and it's it's the guy is such a great writer he's clever he's funny and and um he's great with words and he pictures things in a great way that i think is helpful for just enjoying reading the Gospels more and the story of Jesus. So, What's the name of that um, book again? It's called The Jesus Style by Gale, G-A-Y-L-E, Irwin, E-R-W-I-N. Um, it's a great book. Cool. I'll check that one out. Pastor Bradley, it has been a thrill and a pleasure once again to have this time with you. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, and filling in the blanks that we uh, always in, a pleasure inevitably leave out there for you. So uh, really appreciate it. This is the All Seven Days podcast. Next week we will be talking about stuck in a rut. So stuck in a rut. We'll see how that actually turns out. Being awesome. stuck in a rut. We thank you for listening today. Remember, get your questions and comments in to askatall7days.com, voicemail or text 864-660-9473. Join the All 7 Days Hangout on Facebook. Let others know about the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Support us at all7days.com slash shop and slash donate. Get your new t-shirts. They are available. What size do you wear, Bradley? Large. Large. It's coming Large at and you. in charge. It's coming at you. I appreciate it. This is the All 7 Days Podcast, where the goal is to make you think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. Now go give someone what you value most today. 